Hello and welcome to the third episode of the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of the podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this episode is Mary Simmons, who is the director of HR Consulting at Portnoy Messenger Pearl and Associates, Inc., which has been helping organizations stay compliant with employment laws for over 54 years. Mary partners with organizations of all sizes to help them on a project basis with creating employee handbooks, delivering targeted training, guiding them through employee relations, providing career transition training and counseling, and executive coaching. Mary can also act as the HR professional within organizations to ensure employee productivity and compliance. Mary has her PHR and SHRMCP certifications as well as a degree from the University of Delaware in Human Relations. Please check out the show notes for Mary's contact information. Please keep in mind that we will not be providing any legal advice to specific questions. Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So let's get right into it. Please tell us what you and your company do. So Portnoy Messenger and Pearl has been around for about 54 years, and we provide HR consulting for small and large companies. So that could include us acting as the HR representative for a smaller company or doing projects for larger companies, such as employee handbooks, union negotiations, and employee relations. Please tell me the type of business or employer who needs your services. Anybody who has an employee, basically. So we've supported companies with two employees. We've supported with companies with 20,000 employees. So if you have employees, um, human resource consultant would be useful. Excellent. And what are three tips you would give our listeners who are considering hiring employees on Long Island? So on Long Island, in, because we're on in New York State, there's been quite a flurry of new laws, um, but there is some older laws that you have to be cognizant of. And the first thing that I think I'd be aware of is I-9s. So I-9s is a federal law that started in 1989. Every employer must have employees fill out I-9s, which is proof of authorization to work in the United States. So it's not citizenship, it's proof of authorization. And if these forms are not filled out, it can be very large fines, even up to criminal. Is there auditing yeah. of, of these forms All at the employers' time. offices? All the time. And you can imagine, just on the news this morning, they were talking about ICE going out and looking for undocumented individuals. Well, they're also going into places of business and making sure that the I-9s, A, are filled out and are filled out properly. What is the fine to an employer who does not uh, ensure that the employees fill out the, this form? It can be thousands of dollars, depending, and it's per employee, and if they're filled out wrong, it's per error. So one I-9 could be filled out wrong with five errors on it, and that one I-9 could cost an employer $5,000. That, that seems very expensive, and it seems very worthwhile for every employer to make sure that 
the businesses in compliance. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. What other forms do employers need to make sure they have on, on hand? So the other thing that I would make New York employers in particular aware of is 195 forms. So that's part of the Wage Theft Prevention Act, which came into existence a few years ago, just for New York State employers. And that needs to be filled out for all new employees. And then every time there is a salary change for that employee, unless it's reflected on their pay stub. And what is the purpose of that law, the 195? Well, I will tell you that the title of the law is telling. So it's the Wage Theft Prevention Act. Mm -hmm. So I believe that it was put into place because there were so many employers out there that were improperly paying their employees, specifically not paying overtime. So this form denotes the classification, the FLSA, Fair Labor Standards Act, classification of exempt or non-exempt. And if they are non-exempt, which means they're non-exempt from overtime, what their overtime rate is. That way the employee sees right up front when they're hired, okay, if I work over 40 in a week, this is the pay that I'm going to get. Okay. And any violation of this law would be handled by the Department of Labor, the State Department? That's the, the Department of Labor. And those fines are almost as high as the I-9 forms. Um, the difference is they, they went up recently because you used to have to fill this form out every single year. Now it's just at hire or during a salary change. That's very interesting, Mary. Um, what is another tip you would give to employers? Uh, I would want them to make sure that they have certainly workers' comp uh, insurance, um, that they understand New York State disability, and that they also understand New York paid family leave. So this is one of the newest pieces of legislation that came into existence last year in 2018. And the surprising piece uh, part about this piece of legislation, honestly, is that it's for all employers. If you have one employee, um, New York paid family leave is your organization is eligible for it. And there's quite a few mandates around it. One being that you have to give the policy explaining what New York paid family leave is to all new employees. Number two, that you help those individuals in your organization when they're going out on this leave by filling out part of the form, similar to New York State disability. And uh, the leave right now in 2019 is up to 10 weeks. All, it increases up to 2020 and at that time 2021 rather it goes up to 12 weeks of leave it is a hundred percent employee paid at this point um, and relatively inexpensive for the employees and it's a wonderful wonderful benefit but employers need to be aware that they need to follow the mandates by the state what are the circumstances under which an employee can file for this leave so there's three different reasons that you can file for this leave so this the first reason is to bond with a child. So that would be either parent. The second reason is to care for a loved one. And there's very strict rules about what the serious health condition mm -hmm. is and what the loved, which loved ones it is that you care for. And then the third reason is to spend time with a family member that is either being called to active duty or has come back injured from active duty. We're talking military duty Military. Here. Very interesting. Thank okay. you. So there are a lot of pitfalls for employers out there, and it sounds like they would be smart to meet with an HR consultant to make sure that they are not 
that they are in full compliance and not in violation of any of the state, national, or even local laws. Right, and that and that's the thing. Sometimes now there's there's local laws, right? So we New York City has always sort of uh, uh, beat to their own drum. So they have a lot of legislation that is different from New York State. But now we're even seeing Suffolk County, Nassau County, Westchester County having their own laws. So employers would be smart to get on a you know website that is sending out e-blasts etc like we do that tells them about the new laws because if you don't know about them you can't ask about them and you can't you know you can't be in compliance it would be very hard <laughs> if one of our listeners would want to join your e-blast is there a fee for that nope it's absolutely free we send out every time there is a new york law we send out an alert about that law explaining it Great, and a listener could look for your email address in the uh, show notes and then email you directly and ask to be put on that e-blast list? Exactly right, exactly right. Sounds good to me. Okay, so Mary, now we're moving on to our first weekly segment, What's on Your Desk, about an issue or challenge facing one of your clients specifically concerning a legal rule or statute. So Mary, what's on your desk? So recently I've had actually a couple of companies, but one in particular comes to mind that had a woman going out on maternity. And their question to me was, does she get any time off? Um, This was particularly upsetting to me because as I just explained to you, there are actually two laws in New York State alone, um, besides federal laws, that would give the uh, woman time off. So for New York State, the first thing is state disability. So that gives a woman six weeks for a regular delivery and eight weeks for a cesarean section. Now you only get $170 for that leave, but it's better than nothing. When state disability is done with, that mother would have bonding leave through New York paid family leave, which is 10 weeks at this point. So if she had a regular delivery, we're already up to 16 weeks of you know, some salary replacement. On top of that, if that employer had 50 or more employees, they would be eligible for Family Medical Leave Act, which would allow that mother to also have bonding time up to 12 weeks. And that's also for your own physical disability. So that would run concurrent with the state disability and the New York paid family leave. And the nice thing about FMLA and New York paid family leave is that they guarantee that the individual utilizing those leaves um, will return to the same or a similar job after their leave is done. Okay, sounds good. On my desk as an estate planning and administration attorney, there are certain refrains I hear from prospective clients as to why they do not do their estate planning. Very often, one of those refrains is that estate planning is only for older persons, not for younger persons, which is absolutely not the case. I'm currently handling an estate administration matter for a 33-year-old woman with an 8-year-old son whose husband recently and unexpectedly died at a young age. The husband died intestate, meaning without a will. As a result, everything has taken longer to accomplish and has led to delays and higher legal expenses due to the lack of planning. To our listeners, please consider this your wake-up call, no matter what your age, to get your legal affairs in order while you can. As Benjamin Franklin said, failing to plan is planning to fail. Now we're moving on to our weekly segment called Only on Long Island, in which we discuss interesting developments here on the island. So Mary, what is your Only on Long Island comment? 
So there's actually two pieces of legislation that I'd like to talk about. One is uh, the ban on salary history. So that started in New York City in our area of course it's in it's in other uh, municipalities and states throughout the country but it started in new york city last year and suffolk county has adopted similar legislation this year and what it means to employers is that when they're interviewing candidates for a job they cannot ask what their past salary was and the reason for this is they're trying to eradicate or help the pay equity between men and women. If women are p being paid 20% less than men, that will perpetuate itself if employers are asking, okay, what was your last salary? Okay, I'll give you a little raise over that, and women are never gonna get on, on top of that, that decrease. So that's one piece of legislation. The second piece is the New York State uh, mandate to do sexual harassment training every year for all employees and this is a big deal um, and, and quite onerous for employers because it is for all employees as I said and it is for all employers so if again if you have one employee you have to meet this mandate and you have to do the training it has to be interactive there are um, PowerPoints on the state website, but it clearly says that that doesn't satisfy the training alone. You can't sit an employee in front of a computer. You have to be interactive. The other piece of this legislation is that all employees have to get a policy and a complaint form from the state on sexual harassment prevention. And this is something I've been spending a lot of time on because uh, we provide it in live training, we have management training, we provide it in Spanish, and of course we also have e-learning to assist our employers who can't bring everybody together in a room to do training once a year. So we have the e-training as, as an option. That sounds good. And Mary, in fact, before the, the uh, recording, we were talking about interns. Yes. And even employers who have interns, who use interns for college credit, need to provide this training, correct? Absolutely. And the legislation even went so far as to say 1099s, which normally we would always take a step back and say, we, we don't want to make it look like they're employees. So don't give them you know, anything to do with the company, but the advice of the state um, so they're not mandating it, is that 1099s get the policy because your 1099 coming into your business could sexually harass your employees. And to minimize that risk, it would be smart to give them your policy and or give them the training as well. Right, and this is a direct result of the Me Too movement? I'm going to say yes. Nobody's coming right out and saying that, of course, but I would think so. And, and you know, from, from my standpoint, I've been in human resources for 30 years. I've given this training every year for 30 years. So it's always gone on and I've always had to do investigations. So there's always been sexual harassment in the workplace and, and to not sound like a pessimist, but to be a realist, I think there'll continue to be sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, so this is very necessary, important training. Great, and, to and just to clarify, what are the consequences of non-compliance with this law? Well, we, honestly, they're, they're not coming out and saying we're you know, going out with you know, a big posse of, of auditors to audit you. To, to me, the risks are 
if you had a sexual harassment claim and if the individual went to the Division of Human Rights and there was a case and you got pulled into court, the first thing that the judge is going to ask the employer is, what, do you have a policy on anti-sexual harassment discrimination and have you done training? And if you haven't, I can almost guarantee you your fines are going to be quadrupled. So that's the risk you run. Besides the fact that you should be doing this, this training, that there should be respect and a positive culture within your workplace. And doing trainings like this is very good for morale and very good for the culture of an organization. It sounds like it and, and truly behooves the employer to do the training so that there are no negative consequences from the actions of any other employees, correct? Of course. Not just the employer. Of Any course, as well. absolutely. Okay, well, thank you. That's very informative. I have two only on Long Island comments this week. The first, which I read in Newsday on June 6th, relates to the new Vendor Code of Ethics Law signed by Nassau County Executive Laura Curran, which involves new rules for vendors doing business with, with the county. Nassau County awards over $1 billion in contracts per year, which represents one-third of the county budget, to companies and vendors for work county staff cannot perform. Now, I would have thought that this would have been uh, understood, but I guess not. Under the new law, county employees involved in the contracting process and their family members cannot accept any gifts from vendors. Also, it's now illegal for contractors to discuss or offer jobs to county procurement employees or their families. This comes in the wake of a number of scandals in Nassau County by which vendors paid to play. This also seems very much common sense to me to distance the vendors from the procurement deci decision makers, but I guess it was not to county employees. But on a more positive note, um, my second on only on Long Island comment relates to an article in Newsday on June 15th in the Just Saying column in which Long Island residents submit interesting tidbits about life on Long Island. Katie Brown of Sound Beach noted that as she drove on Route 25A from Rocky Point to Wading, Wading River, she saw lawn signs including believe in yourself, smile, kindness matters, and conquer from within. As Katie wrote, the signs brightened her morning commute and whole day. Quote, it wasn't so much the messages that made me smile, but more the thought of people going out of their way to place them. The signs inspired Katie to pay it forward with a donation to her local food pantry. As Katie wrote, quote, we can all make a difference, one small act at a time. Thank you, Katie. You brighten my day, too. And that's it for our episode. Thank you, Mary, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you are there, please rate us, hopefully five stars, with a review that might start. On this beautiful summer day while I'm driving on Route 25A, anywhere between Rocky Point and Wading River, and reading the positive messages on my neighbor's lawns, I will definitely listen to the LI Law podcast so I know what's going on on Long Island, and I can hear helpful and positive tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening. <laughs>